Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. All right, we're live. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Galen Trombley Show. This is episode 70. Um, our guest today is the one and only Jordy Ducat. Um, she is back. This is kind of, what, three? How, how many episodes have you been on? This is my third. Third. Um, and you've been on some realty talk. So she's she's a you know regular guest on the show. It's our first podcast since March 14th. So if we're a little rusty, that's the reason. Uh, we stopped the podcast before... Um, or I should say right before all the COVID stuff kind of stopped and I, I didn't do any uh, virtual ones. Um, we tried doing one Realty Talk episode and I will save that for Ellie to explain on the next episode of uh, Realty Talk why it was never actually posted and I didn't do any um, over to the COVID period just because I was working from home and trying to have a conversation with somebody without my kids you know, coming in and, and talking or, or interrupting would have been very tough. So instead, I spent a ton of time with the kids over the last few months, which has been um, a lot of fun. And we just kind of put the podcast on hold, but we do have a lot of guests lined up. I've spent this week kind of reaching out to some people that have been making a list and um, you know, we're, we're going to have some people lined up. So I'm, I'm excited. We're going to try to get back to one to two a week. And Again, what the whole goal is obviously to have um, the theme is just people I find interesting, and and Jordy is someone I always find interesting because she's uh, in her word she said she was going to bring the fire today, so we're going to see how that works out. But uh, so Jordy, for the people that don't know you, give us a little quick bio, um, and then we'll just we'll roll, just see what you've been up to the last couple months. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Morrisonville. Um... I just graduated from Plattsburgh State with a major in business and hospitality. So that was doing the last few months of that over um, like online was kind of difficult. Uh, some of my classes were a lot more work, but um, now I'm probably going to grad school, but everything's pretty up in the air. So we'll see what happens with that. So, yeah, so grad school, when, when are you leaving us? So Jordy... Well, she, you won't be here, not necessarily leaving us. Maybe we'll, I don't know, we'll see. We have to talk about it, Af, at life after North Country um, or being in the area. But what, when, when are you planning on going um, for your master's? And tell people where you're going. Um, so I had originally planned to go to UAlbany um, in August. But now they're not sure if it's going to be online or not. Um, and then I, they don't know if I'm going to get a graduate assistantship position. So if I don't, then I'm probably will just go to grad school online because it will be a lot cheaper. So is it through Albany? No, it would be if I did it online, it would be through New Paltz. Same style of pro, uh, program. And what, yeah. what do you go, What is the master's for? A master's in business. Business admin administration. Um, so what made you want to get your master's, Jordy? Because we've had a, co- a conversation on this, but yes. then you didn't listen to me. So you did, which that's the last um, 
shot I'll give to you. So why did you what what did you choose for the masters? Why did you want to do it? What do you plan on doing with your business administration masters degree? And how long does it take to get that? So it's two years, um, and I wanted to do it because. So what I want to do is like weddings and events, I think. And so I know you don't need a master's for that. So I was like, well, I don't know if I want to spend all that money when you don't really need it. But um, then somebody was like, well, you know, everyone now is getting a college degree and so it'll make you more marketable. So that's part of it. And then the other part was like everyone who does weddings and events is like, probably young and like in their 20s and like someday when you have a family I feel like it's really hard to do that because it's mostly weekends and nights. So this is kind of like down the road planning potentially after you do something with the wedding industry? Yeah. Because I'll be honest the wedding and one industry I would never want to get into personally I was in it when I was a kid but it was the uh, food industry because like you said it's evenings it's weekends it's holidays it's days that I want to be with family going to restaurants not the one going to a restaurant and not being with my family. Right. So that's something I've I've basically just completely punted. I and I think people that do restaurants and stuff, it, it's I mean it's it's one of those businesses, like if you have a passion for it, I think it's great. I think it would be cool to own a restaurant and I do like cooking. I, I'm actually an okay cook if I have the time to like prep and do everything, but um I just don't like the hours of it. So like to me personally that just wasn't a you know wasn't something I wanted to do. The wedding industry, I don't know much about it, to be honest. I, I didn't spend a lot of time doing anything regarding that. Um, with the... In- Is it mine or... Huh? Is that mine? No. Okay. No. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so we... Uh, yeah, so the wedding industry is just something I'm... Obviously, that's something you have, you know some type of passion for right so um now if you weren't to do weddings like do you have a second plan or is it just kind of more like just roll just like whatever comes yeah no i feel like i mean i do have some other ideas but um i feel like mostly when you get a business degree like sometimes people don't have an idea of what they want to do it just sort of ends up being what type of job they end up getting when they graduate but if I didn't do that, I've considered like liquor and wine sales and then also headhunting. So those are both pretty different. Headhunting like recruiting. Yeah. Okay. Not not like a hitman or something. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. So um so are you one of those people that do you would you get stressed out if you didn't get a job you were looking for or like, are you one of those people, if you went to college and were trying to line up a position to go off, do you have like an ideal position where you're like, I want to make sure I get that position or are you kind of one where you just take it as it comes and just kind of make the best of it and just like, what, what, where are you at with planning and prepping and, and figuring stuff out? Um, I'm pretty good at planning, but I feel like, like, yes, I have an idea of what I want to do, but I know that like your first job out of college, like, it's sometimes it's not what you want to do and you have to work your way towards that. But would you be stressed out if you say you wanted to be, get a job in uh, the wedding industry and then you didn't, but then you got a job in some type of manufacturing company. Okay. Something totally different. Would that be something where you would just like, you think you would settle for that or would you still keep the dream alive? Oh, I want to somehow get back into the wedding industry. Or do you think you would just 
like just roll with it and see where it went. No, I'd probably still try to do weddings if I could. On the side? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good to know. I just, I, I think if you have, like, like for me, when I got out of college, I had my degree um, in supply chain management and I was, already had my real estate license while I was in college. So when I got out of college, I found out basically through my internship that I didn't want to do what I went to college for, which, you know, had I either had a better experience at my internship or um, somehow found out sooner that I didn't like it, which you don't really know as a kid going through, you know, you're 19, 20, 21, something like that, and you're going through college, you don't know what you want to do. You're obviously still very young, and you pick this degree, and then you start learning the classes, and you're like, wow, this would be great. I can't wait to go out into the field and actually get into the industry. And then when you finally get into the industry, this is kind of one of the issues that I have is that you get into the industry and your internships are always done fairly like late in the in your coursework. Yeah, usually like your senior year. Yeah, and I think it would be better. And I don't know, maybe they can do this. I mean, I, I, this is something I was not very uh, – I didn't take a lot of initiative when I was in college. Like I didn't really care. I was literally just trying to get out as quick as possible where I would have probably have liked to gone into some type of internship my freshman or sophomore year where if I didn't like it, I had ch- – chance to kind of change direction Mm -hmm. the problem is it was my senior year it was my last semester and i had the internship and i'm like this this isn't fun it's almost like going into teaching and you realize like going into student teaching that you don't want to teach and like i just spent four years learning about teaching and all of a sudden i hate honestly hate sitting in the front of the classroom teaching kids you know and so that was that was always my i guess issue with the, the internship, but then once I got out, like I was just asking you, do I went into real estate with absolutely no plan. It was one where I had my license and I was like, well, I have no other better option and I don't mm-hmm. really, to be honest, feel like trying to figure something out right now. I'm just gonna kinda weather this and figure, figure it out over the next couple of years, which I find a lot of kids do when they get out of school. It's like, I, okay, I'll get a job, I'll figure out what I wanna do. Now, mm-hmm. some people stay in that job for 30 plus years, some people completely change careers, you know, throughout their 20s and 30s. Um, I was one where it took me a while in real estate. I would say probably five years before I, and so you're probably talking an extra three to four years out, out of college before I really committed to doing real estate. But did you always like it? No. Wait, did, did I always like real estate? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, I, I won when I first did it. I was 20, 21, something like that. I would say for the first two or three years, I didn't really know what I was doing, meaning... I knew a little bit and I was learning the field, but I didn't really have a good grasp on real estate. And I didn't have a good grasp on why I was doing real estate. Like to me, it was like a means to the end. It was like to get a paycheck. Like it was, there was no, I didn't get into it to help people. I didn't get into, like I just got into real estate because it was more, my hours were more flexible. And I I looked at it as I was at least in a business type field where I could at least kind of get an idea of how to, um, think and, and interact with the community in a business field. I did now having said that, I didn't utilize relationships with people until probably three years ago, which is crazy to think about now. But no, I didn't like it. And it really wasn't until probably I'd say I was twenty five that I really thought about it and I was like, you know what, I can I kind of like real estate and I'm going to go in full time. It was probably about a year after that where I I finally got the, it finally came to me that I'm, I'm pretty good at this and I've gotten better every year to the point where 
then I got to the point where I was, I realized I was doing it to help people. And honestly, over the last probably two years and definitely over the last maybe 18 months, I've transformed even more to the point where I have so much confidence in my knowledge of real estate right now that I, I know this, and I don't want to put other agents down or anything like this, but I almost think it's crazy if like, in my, and this is in my head. So it's kind of like a confidence level in my head where I think that if people don't use me, they're hurting themselves. Now, I don't say that there's some phenomenal agents locally, phenomenal. There's some really good agents also in the area, but it's just like I, I had that, I have that confidence that that's how good I, and I don't want to, again, sound cocky, but that's how good I know I am, but it's taken me 10 years to gain knowledge where I really have a good understanding of the market. I really understand how, you know, prices affect each other. I really know how to, un I understand marketing and strategy and, and, um, really how to best um, help somebody sell or buy a home because I just know the process inside and out. And I'm like, if you if you give me any scenario, I can probably figure it out. And it, what's crazy is I learned two things this week that in 10 years I didn't know about and neither did you know the other agent and neither did um, you know the lenders or whatever. And it's fine. Like it's just something we all learn and get better from. But I've seen a lot of stuff, and I'll continue to see more. But the that's that's like my attitude towards real estate now. So I did not like it, and now in ten years, I've gotten to the point where I know a hundred percent that anybody that hires me, I will be the best asset for them to sell their property. And I that like meaning meaning I'd put my skill set up against any agent in the area without a doubt, and I would choose myself meaning not to be cocky but i'd be i'd be very confident going into like a head-to-head -head matchup with an agent um and again that just comes through a lot of trial and error and a lot of you know i've made a lot of mistakes over 10 years and i've learned from them so the mistakes are not as often anymore and my clients are better and um you know i've done a lot of work to get to this spot but the cool thing is and i felt the same way when we were playing um my senior year, we played in the state championship game for soccer. And I remember the most calm I've ever been before a game was the day of the state championship game. And I remember sitting there thinking in my head, I'm like, I should be more nervous for this. But I wasn't because I was so confident in our team that we weren't going to lose. And we, we won the game. But um, it was just going like going into the game. I just, if you were to ask me, I'm like, well, we're not losing the game. I know that. Like, it just depends how we're going to win it. Like, is it going to be, you know, how many goals or is it going to be a PKs or whatever. But I just, mm -hmm. I had that much confidence in our team and myself that we weren't going to lose. And I kind of have that now with real estate. Like I've just gotten to that point, but again, it's kind of like an, I've heard this term before, but it's like an earned confidence. Like I've, I've spent so many years really, really, really spending a lot of time in real estate to get to that level where three, four years ago, I wasn't saying that. And I sure as hell wasn't saying that 10 years ago. So, but my whole, like I did not like real estate to now it's completely changed because I think I've flipped the switch and it's not about me. Like, making money it's me about how how can i help people because i know i'm good at it it'd be like being a doctor and knowing that you're really good and knowing that someone's got a like a medical condition and you know how to fix it and or you know the surgery to fix their pain or whatever and now i'm not obviously health and real estate are completely different you know health's way more important but it's still the idea that that's the level that i think of myself at within our industry so that's a long-winded answer, Jordy, which, you know, that's how we roll. So 
Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love what I do now, and I wouldn't change. So for you, do you think – is that something that you think that you would dive into? Like if you found a field that you really like, do you think you would go all in and learn as much as you could about it? Like if you had a real passion for it? Yeah, if I really liked it. I just think if you don't really like what you're doing, it's hard to do that. So what – like up till now, like what what would you say – like, if you had to pick one thing that you would be very passionate about, what would it be? Because I, you said the wedding industry. So right. that, I mean, is that, like, number one? Like, top thing, your mo- most... And, and I'm talking about, like, anything. Like, what are you passionate about? Like, do you like cooking? Do you like um, gardening? Do, do you like... I, I mean, just, like, is there hobbies or anything that you really like? Yeah, well, I mean, I like <clears throat> weddings. I like traveling i love to go antique shopping too um because i like history so i like to learn about like what people used in the past and like learn about different cultures and stuff Mm -hmm. do you think and this is a question because there's a book over there i want you to read i'll I'll give it to you it's really really short it's under 100 pages oh good can you read that i give it to you okay Mm -hmm. i want i want you to read it's a little dated but it's the the thought is there is do you think that with some of the knowledge that you've gained in doing stuff here, like videos and, and learning how we distribute content and stuff like that, that you could potentially turn one of those hobbies or interests into a career in yeah. time. Like if, you, if, we, if you were to get your, your degree, your master's, all of a sudden we're going in, you did not go into the wedding field. If you were like, I want to be someone that goes around and finds antiques and flips them or does whatever – That'd Do you cool. think you could build an audience around that as like Jordan the antique girl or something? I think I could. I think I would have to learn a lot more about like redoing furniture and stuff. But I think that um, that would be really cool to do. Because the reason I'm like take – okay, take furniture, redoing furniture. And, and again, the one thing I'm not good at as a real estate um, agent or whatever, realtor, salesperson, whatever it is, is – I'm not a big HD TV watcher. I don't watch it ever. Um, but the two people on it, is it Chip and Joanna Gaines? Oh, yeah. They're great. Okay. So everybody loves these people. I don't know much about them. I just, I know people love them. Uh, I know there's a new book that came out. My sister's gotten it and made like all the desserts in it and they're phenomenal. Um, friend of the show, Anna, is obsessed with them, which I know from her Instagram and her just telling me that she's obsessed with them. They're amazing. Okay. They so, like took over Waco, Texas. But think about this. Okay, so you get this these people. What did they do prior to like – why do they have a huge setup down in Waco where people buy their furniture or design or home decor? Like what would cause them to, to be able to sell that to people? So I'm kind of testing you here. I want to see what, what your thought process is. Like why would you buy – Something from Joanna versus something from a store locally. I would say most people would do that because of the fame of the show. Okay. And what, again, if they're, okay, so they're famous from the show. So what part of that? So they they have a, a level of notoriety from this show. Because of that, why would you buy their product? Still, like, why why would you buy the product? Is it just because you saw them on TV? Well, that and if you like it, like a lot of people love Joanna Gaines farmhouse style, mm-hmm. and then um, most of the time too, I think you know it's really good quality. Like you know it's going to last. So, 
So, because this is this is not not to put you in the spot, but this is where the idea comes that think about Nike, think about um, like Yeti, like you know the the cool like Yeti's a perfect example. Why do people buy Yeti over the fifty percent off like not even knockoff brand, but just fifty percent off non Yeti company that is probably the same technology? Why does Yeti sell twice as much and sell more product? I mean, I think a lot of people do it because they think it works better, and that's probably mostly from Yeti's marketing techniques. So it's a lot of it's perceived. Right. So like, so this is what I'm kind of talking roundabout, if you go back down, where think about Chip and Joanna Gaines, what happened to them was they were probably some type of interior designing. And this is where I really like like autobiographies, and I like you know, you know documentaries and stuff on people. Because where did they start off at? You know what I mean? So they probably started off like at a really small local level because they're probably, what, 40 maybe? 35, 40? They're probably 40, I would say. So they probably started 20 years ago doing something completely different. He probably worked in a hardware store. She probably worked at, you know, maybe as an assistant to a wedding design girl or something. You know, and then what happened is over time, they got really good at what they did. Somehow they got in a position where HDTV found them mm-hmm. and I don't know what they were doing before maybe they were just doing some stuff on the side and they applied well, and they, they were s- flipping houses <clears throat> and, yeah and they were probably doing all this stuff before the, the glitz and glamour and, and I would be very surprised if they even lift a, a hammer now to be honest he's probably got guys that work for him and they're you know what I mean like he's mm-hmm. probably it's like the property brother guys like I don't think they're really doing a lot of the remodeling they have a whole crew but it's the idea that they at some point did that then they got to the point based on their personalities and everything else that they started to get this kind of like mass following, and then obviously they got an HGTV, which had a wide, um, uh, you know, audience that people saw. And then what happened? People got gravitated towards it, and then all of a sudden now they're like, "You have the, you like us, and now have the confidence in us, meaning those two people, that now we're going to put out a whole line of home decor." And then people are like, "Well, we want to buy that because it's the what they've done is they built a value around their brand." So for you. It's kind of what we've done here in real estate. Like when we put out all the content, like what makes me, I could be the best agent in the world, but if nobody knows who I am, then how are they going to use me? Right. And what happened is over the last few years, the reason we've done a lot of video and podcasts and give information out is to show people our knowledge and also to show us, show them our personality. So hopefully people um, like what they see and they're like, Hey, I, I trust those people and they sound knowledgeable and they sound friendly and we want to use them. And that's what we've been able to do. So for you, we're on a smaller scale from Chip and Joanna. You know, I'm not opening up a big showroom in Waco, Texas, or whatever. I have a TV show, but you can do it on a local scale. So for you, you could really do the same thing on a antiquing type thing. Like you start a, you know, start an antiquing blog, and you go out and you find weekend projects, and you document the weekend projects, and you start going on some blogs and commenting, and you start doing this, and you build awareness, and all of a sudden, like, oh. That Jordan girl's got some cool stuff, and you get a follower, and then you get two maybe the next month, and maybe by the end of the year you have a hundred followers, and then by the next month you have four four hundred and fifty followers, and you can see how like over a few years that builds up until you have thousands of people, and then all of a sudden you can start your own little, you know, vlog series of antiquing with Jordan or something, and then like, but you can see how like all this would work out, and next thing you know, you know, in five years from now or six years from now you could have, you could be like twenty seven years old. And have all these people that want, and it's not even your main job, but all of a sudden they're like, holy crap, like, I want to go antiquing with Jordan. And it doesn't, it just, 
there's probably people that might at that point have way more knowledge than you still, mm-hmm. but you've built up the the perception that or the, the, the fame that that's the girl that I want to go to. It's the same thing like, you know, musicians. There's probably some really good musicians that are better than some of the ones that are household names, but they haven't been exposed to the level that those people have. Mm-hmm. So then it's kind of like you discount them and you listen to the mainstream people, even though there's probably some phenomenal you know, musicians that are just low key playing like clubs locally in towns or bars or something like that. And you'll never hear from, hear of them. And then they go on like an American Idol and win it. And you're like that person's incredible, but they never had the, the platform or they never chose to, to push themselves out there. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Do you think you could do that with antiquing? Pro- probably not with antiquing. I mean, I'm sure I could if I really wanted to. Does it make sense, though? Like, yes. if you want, I'm not saying you have to. This is just, like, all hypothetical. Yes. I think, I mean, a lot of it is about building your brand and making yourself marketable. Mm-hmm. And gaining trust and gaining, yeah. like, you know, gaining, and also personality attracting people. Like, my real estate, my personality, I show through all my videos, and it's pretty authentic. Like, if you see me on videos, I mean, you know me in and out of real estate, like, I'm kind of the same, I would think. I hope so. You know, I don't try to like put on it like as soon as the camera rolls, I talk differently. It's kind of the same. And the whole idea is it attracts to me the clients that are most like me. And I found over the last couple of years, which I didn't really notice until recently, that most of my clients now are a lot of fun because a lot of them are very similar to me. Where They found me through online and like, I already know how this guy rolls and it's great. Um, that wasn't the beginning of my career. I had to, I had to find that I had to sell or prove myself more where now i can just roll up and they already know like oh yeah you're the guy in all the tv shows or all the videos we've seen Mm -hmm. and heard your podcast and everything else and it's great um so i think that's something that would work for you but speaking of blogs i just caught wind of this last night jordy what is your new what's your new um venture you can put this in the show notes i'll give you access or i'll give you you'll be able to do that yeah so i started like a little wedding blog just to <clears throat> it's just on instagram um i thought about doing like an internet and platform and i was like i don't really want to spend all the money like it might not even be successful and instagram is free and then you can have pictures too so i was like oh, so it's instagram okay and what's the blog centered around wedding so i wanted to make it about like my um opinions about different things in the wedding industry and stuff um, yeah, so I only have two posts so far, which is not very many, but. So, so, and then what are you trying to do? You're trying to, you're trying to tap into the, you're trying to tap into the idea of, you know, obviously the wedding venue and the wedding blogs and trying to get into that, like that sphere. Yeah. Okay. So what, what's your plans with that? Um, well, I mean, for now I'm just doing it for fun, but I also thought, like, um, when I go to apply for jobs or have interviews or something, it's something I could mention that I've been doing, and hopefully it could set me apart from other applicants. That you have this as, like, a backup? Like, or not backup, but, like, as a, a repertoire for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I think, if, I think today's day and age, if you don't have... I'm the same way, like, if we're hiring or, or, you know, if we're... Like people are going to look on Instagram, people are going to look on Facebook and like you're, you're going to like that's part of the research process. Like if I um, like hiring for the assistant role, that's, um, you know, she's the, the new assistant. We'll, we'll have her on eventually to 
officially welcome her, but she, same thing. I, every person that went on, I could check their Instagram and Facebook profiles and just mm-hmm. kind of see like, okay, what is, who are they friends with? And then I do it all the time, you know, when you're renting property, like I'll look out who the applicants are, I'll go on Facebook and I'll find out, do they have any mutual friends? And that's the references I have, or I have, a lot of times I, I follow up with, like, do you mm-hmm. know this person? You know, and that's, because they'll give me names, which is fine, but if I know people that are friends, it, they'll be like, oh my God, yeah, they're, they're, they're great. They're, so then I feel more confident because right. someone that I trust. So this, I think it'll be cool. So are you planning on, are you planning on doing this consistently, I hope, right? Yes. Okay. So, and then um, do you have anything, plans beyond the Instagram, like the, just the Instagram portion? Would you do video? Um, yeah, I would do video. <clears throat> um, I've thought about like a website too, but I wanted to like obviously wait on that until to see how, how popular it was and stuff. But I thought the cool thing about Instagram too is like so many businesses in any industry have Instagram profiles. So it's more of a way, I think, than a website to connect with other businesses and other people who are trying to do the same thing as you. Yeah, like one one of my goals, like right now, like we have the actual Kavanaugh website, which is fine, but like I've always used my Facebook page as like my website because I put everything on there. And I think that gives me the most, or it gives people the best glimpse to me because my Instagram photos go there. My, you know, our YouTube stuff goes there. Like all that stuff goes onto that platform. So I really think if you follow me on, on any of the platforms, but Facebook is probably going to give you the best overall view. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of noise on on Facebook, meaning just a lot of posts and stuff. So Instagram it might be a good one too. Um, I like Instagram for what you're doing because it's it's pictures. It means visual. It's a very visual, um, visual field. The fo- the video idea, I think when you start doing video, you need to have a level of knowledge to do video because it's you're talking. Because sometimes if you get people that go on and start talking on, on video and you're not that confident, then you're, you're kind of winging it. Where I find like that's one of the easy things for me on video because it's like what topic you want to talk about? Great. Talk about this. Perfect. I've talked about it hundreds of times over the last you know 10 years that – it's just like another conversation, but I already know the information. So I see, I feel super confident. It's like preparing for a speech that you have to give in front of the class and knowing the topic frontward and backwards. It's so easy. If you get up and you haven't really practiced the speech and you don't really know the topic that well, it's mm-hmm. so hard to get through. And that's where I feel like real estate would be where if you ask me about the wedding industry, eh, I'm probably going to have one of those awkward, like I wouldn't be able to give a speech on the wedding industry because I haven't researched it enough. Um, so I think that, I don't know. I think it's cool. What's it called? So people know. Um, Jordan Brooke Blog. Brooke's your middle name, right? Yeah. Do you like the name Brooke? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I, I like the name. We actually contemplated like Brooke potentially being a name for one of our kids, but we just felt that it was starting to get too popular. Yeah. I kind of want to use it for one of my kids. So. Brooke? Yep. We actually looked at Brooks too. We thought that was a cool name. I like Brooklyn too, but Brooklyn. that's becoming really popular. Yeah, so we had we like Brooklyn, yeah, which is why we went with Oakland, because Gina liked Lynn at the end, like that mm. that verbiage, and I don't know where Oak came from. She made it up actually. I think she combined the two, like you know when you find them in baby books and stuff. Like I think those two, she actually kind of hybrided it together, and she goes, "That kind of sounds like a cool name." And then we kind of looked up. I think it had been a name, but we we actually kind of came up with it in our heads before we saw it on paper, which is mm. kind of cool. Um, 
So, Jordy, what has been your COVID-19 life over the last 10 weeks, 11 um, weeks? Yeah, not too much. Finished school. <laughs> That's good. Graduated, yeah. Um, yeah, sitting outside in the sun now that it's finally been nice. You're very tan, which we put on the phone. Fo- Actually, anybody, if you look at the Instagram pic, there's not a lot of saturation on there, so that's very unedited. Yep. Went Galen light on the edits on that one. Usually has to do full saturation in the winter on my For Jordy, we want to make sure she looks tan in January. Yep. So, yeah. pool. Um, yep, and I've been helping Jared with college stuff. He so. d- did some house projects. Oh, yeah. I did a lot of, like, staining and stuff. Did we learn anything useful, Jordy? Did you use that time to learn or perfect a perfect a new hobby or skill? Well, I think I'm pretty good at staining. I mean, we stained the back deck. I stained can, the shed. Can you do roofing? I can't do roofing, no. Okay, because we're putting a roof on next weekend if you want to come help. Oh, wow. You're going to do it yourself? Oh, uh, we got people. I mean, I'm going to help, not... I'm going to be more of like the guy bringing shingles up on the roof or throwing them in the dumpster. They're heavy. I know. That's why I've been working out the last three weeks. Did, did you say I look bigger or no? I did. I said you were going to rip through your shirt because you look like the Hulk. You didn't say that to me. You didn't say that. I didn't? Uh, well, I thought it in my head. Oh, well. You should have said it. It would make me feel good. Uh, Lacey said I look tough. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then I don't know if anybody else said anything. Nicole said she noticed but didn't say anything. Hannah said I look bigger ellie said i looked a little bigger but i think ellie realized i was bigger and just said i didn't look as big as i thought i was because then she just was using it as like a jab to me to make (laughs) me not give enough credit no i stepped in the fall i weighed not fall sorry like january i started like really like working out again and just kind of eating good and all that stuff and i ended up stepping on a scale I was 165 fully clothed. So like shoes, jacket, like phone, keys, wallet, everything like in my jacket pockets. Just stepped on the scale, 165, maybe like just under that. So I was probably realistically like 160, Mm -hmm. maybe like 159. So I was like, that's way too low. And I I I didn't know that was low for a guy. You had to tell me that. Yes. Well, for me, I've been hovering around 175 to 180 for like six years and at one point i tried to gain a bunch of weight and i got up to 190 and then i kind of leaned back down to like 175 so for a guy different than a girl guys typically don't like to be like really scrawny so like and i was you know i've been working out for many years i was like i'm just weak like i'm not as strong as i used to be and i got fed up so then i was like okay i'm gonna start focusing on lifting and trying to gain weight again so then i stepped on a scale at a showing like two weeks ago and the scale said 198.6 fully clothed again middle of the day i don't think that was true the scale i think might have been wrong because i don't know if i'm 190 i might be maybe it was right if i, I wanted to get the 200 to be you honest you should just buy a scale for your i know house. we don't have a scale but i wanted to I, I ultimately wanted to gain up to about two to get to about 200 pounds and then i would kind of lean back down to like mid 180s to 200 I wanted to get the one. Already, I, wanted, I wanted to get the two hundred. You're already looking pretty thick with your muscles right now. So thank you, Jordy. Thick. We'll go with that. I like tough. I think Lacey was the best that said tough. But so that's what I was. I've done with my COVID life, working from home, and we had a gym set up, and I've been lifting, and I'm actually almost done my my strength cycle phase. That's like it was like four, three months, three months. Yeah, it'll be the end of this month. So it's pretty good. 
So that was my constructive thing. And I tried reading and I'm on one book. I read two books. And then the last book, I started reading at 600 pages and it's like semi-old English and it's small writing. And it's, it's not bad, but it's a slow book. And it's taken me some time. The other books I read in like a couple days, and this one's taken me a couple months. You love reading. You always bring books to Florida. Yeah, I like reading. I just don't get the... I have a huge... I mean, I, I got 100 books here probably, maybe more. Not probably 100. And I, I love reading. It's just a time doesn't... Like, and actually, all those ones stacked up over there, there's like six of them. No, more than that. Probably eight. I probably bought eight books over quarantine. Because I, I would like, I would see it on social media, or I'd read a book and refer to the book, or I'd read something and refer to that. So they just kept buying it. I got a whole book in the office over there, brand new, it came out this year. Wow. Bottom one, pumped. Bought a Steve Jobs um, biography. Um, I got to read that book and give it back to Craig. He's, I, I, Craig, if you listen to this, I still have your book and it's on my book list to read. I might read it next just to get it back to him. I hate, I hate taking like. I hate having stuff for people. I bought a bag of acceptance coffee back in March, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't pay Aaron, and I paid him last week. And he goes, really? He goes, I forgot all about it, because I hate owing people money. It's one of I my know, pet peeves. I know, me too. I hate that too. Like, if you gave me money right now, I would make a special trip to the bank to get money. Oh, I'd Venmo you, but if I hadn't, I would have made a special trip to the bank to withdraw money to give you money. Like, I just, I hate owing people stuff. Yeah, like, if my friends and I, like, over the semester, if we would go out and we'd take a taxi, like immediately like i would venmo them the money yeah but then like they didn't do the same to me so i was like kind of annoyed most people don't which is i don't expect people ever i hate the awkward thing where you get to ask but be like hey man mm-hmm. you owe me you owe me like 30 bucks which yeah, that is I, I honestly don't ask like so if i pay for you and you say you're gonna give me money don't give me money i just don't expect to get the money back because i just hate i hate asking people for money yeah me too kind of like like uh, different i hate sales because I hate asking people to spend money. Sales is asking people to spend money. The good thing about real estate is we're more like consultants than I would never tell someone to spend money. It's more like, do you like the house? I do. Great. Let me help you get the house. I'm not going right. to tell you what house to buy. Where I find a lot of other businesses, if you're selling something, you're like trying to talk people into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to talk anybody into anything. I just want to, for me, the house, you're going to like the house, want to make an offer, and then I don't want to sell you. I want to, what I call like attract, meaning I want to put my stuff out online and I want you to come to me and say, you're the guy I want to use instead of me going to you and saying, hey, can I please help you? And that's been benefit. It's kind of think about all the, every agent that's ever worked here has literally come to us to ask to work here. Yeah. I've never, I have not recruited one agent ever. So, which is, that's kind of my ideas. I just don't, I don't want to, um, what I call recruit people, I'd rather re- attract people where they they choose to come here versus mm-hmm. me trying to get them to come here. Right. Well, I was telling one of my aunts actually last week or the week before that like you would you care so much about people and like doing what's best for them rather than making a sale that you've actually talked people out of a sale before. She was like, "Oh, I believe that." Oh yeah, I, all the time, all the time. I I mean, I have it's when I say all the time, it's like I'm not being counterproductive. I just look at it like if it's not the best situation for that person, don't do it. And mm-hmm. that that might mean I make less money. That might mean I have to work another month or two to find them a home. But I, I look at everything that if you do the right thing with the right intent, no matter what, if all your decisions are made with the right intent, then you're fine. Meaning if you, um, whether or not the decision was right or wrong, 
as long as your intention was for it to be the best decision, then you're fine. Meaning I make mistakes. There's times that, you know, there's tons of people that don't want to work with me, that have stopped working with me for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, I don't get mad at those people because they have their own reasons as to why. I. But I always look at it, is there something I could have changed? And if there really isn't, meaning I did stuff to the best of my ability or what I thought was the best or the information I gave them was my thought the best information and they might have took it a different way that's totally because some people you know if i say something to them and i'm like listen you guys you know we're in a seller's market if an offer has to go in and it sounds like i'm a little urgent for you to like get your stuff together to make an offer it's because i am because i know it's gonna there's i i know there's like say there's four other showings i'm like you're gonna be up against one or two people mm-hmm. and this home won't last till monday or tuesday you guys can think about it, but I'm just letting you know you're probably going to lose out in the house. So there's a level right. of urgency. You don't have to make an offer. You can just tell me, hey, listen, we're going to keep looking. Totally fine. But if you're telling me you like the house and want to get it, then I do have to kind of push you along a mm-hmm. little bit because I want you to accomplish your goal, which you just told me was to get the house. Now, if somebody's on the fence, happens a lot now too, if, if we're going out and looking at a house and house just comes on the market and there's a bunch of showings, we're like, hey, listen, we need an offer by tonight. And the buyers feel very uncomfortable at doing that. Like, uh, I, you know, and I can tell they feel rushed and they feel like they're just going to make a decision and it's, they don't really have a chance to think it over. I will tell them, just keep looking. Like, don't mm-hmm. don't make an offer if you feel uncomfortable about making an offer. Like, it'd be great if they made an offer and they got the offer accepted. Like, that's you know, like how I make a living. But I would feel bad if they were pressured into it and didn't really, they weren't 100% committed to the mm-hmm. offer. Where if they were like, you know, 70, 30, but there's like 30% weighing on them that they shouldn't make an offer. And that's like, hey, just literally scratch it off. It's just not meant to be. Like maybe it is a, the really nice home that you would typically buy, but the timing's not right because you guys are feeling too too rushed to make a decision. Just don't commit to it. Take that stress off of you and go find another home. Like we'll just keep looking. Right. And that's, that happens. I mean, yeah, there's, there's I think, I think people put too much stock on, especially people in sales, they do too much for money. Like, I don't, money's not a real, there's times I've taken less money. Um, there's, I mean, there's there's stuff, I've sold homes for free in situations if I thought there was a better payout in the long run, meaning, you know, a client is gonna, I had, I had one example, I, and granted, this these are like special examples. The people wanted to buy a home, these are people that clients have had in the past and they're phenomenal, absolutely love this family. They had to sell quicker than they intended to. They didn't have a ton of equity built up into the property. I knew, so they had to try to sell it for sale by owner, not because they wanted to, but financially they're like, we just can't afford commission. So, and then they they had to buy a home. Well, I knew the chances of them buying a home and then trying to sell their home to get into that home as for sale by owner in 72 hour was gonna be a nightmare. It was gonna be so hard to do and they weren't gonna be able to do it. So for me, I'm like, well, I'm never going to they're never going to be able to buy another home. Like their, their situation, they need to buy a home. They're not going to be able to buy a home in the current situation. So either, and then, and think about it. If they don't buy a home, then I, from a business perspective, don't make any money. You know, they don't buy anything. I make zero. So I'm like, well, what happens if I just don't charge them on their end on the sale, help them do what I normally would charge for, mm-hmm. but I get them out of that situation. I get them into a new house, which they want. I get paid on that new house, so I'm still making some su- money. I'm still making sixty percent of what I probably would have made overall. Mm-hmm. 
But if the alternative of 60% was zero, right. so I'll take the 60%, I get them into a home. Then you also get the like the goodwill of they're still a huge like supporter of you and they'll send you referrals and so you get it like and they'll send you referrals and they'll they, you know they'll they'll support you and tell their friends to go to you and like so too many agents are just they're nearsighted where it's like i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna sell your home because of whatever and i'm like i i have no problem helping people out if i think they truly need it mm-hmm. and i think there's a payoff and there's times i won't do it because say we have clients arguing over home inspection issues i have no problem helping people out here and there but then i also know when there's times where people can do make a decision and they just don't want to because they're being hard-headed or cheap or whatever and, and at that point i'm like no no i don't have to spend money because you just don't want to and i said it j- just because like you can do it you're just kind of being a pain in the butt and not mm-hmm. doing that where there's some people that financially can't do it and that's right. the ones i'll help out because at the end of the day you know, I think there's more to it, whether it's a donation on my part or giving back on my part. I still think I'm helping out a family do something in a situation where they need the help, where in a perfect world, they would pay me and have no problem doing it. So there's situations like that. And I have don't even think twice about it. It's like, yep, let's do it. And like, that's like one of my things. Like, can we, and that's something I propose to them. Can we do this? And they're like, yeah, actually we probably could. Are you fine doing that? Like, we don't want you. And I'm like, no, hundred percent. We'll do it. And sold their house i think it was a week and everything went through fine they live in the house now and super pumped great family and like that's one of the things i'm like you know what i was super happy about that you know Mm -hmm. so but it's the idea that you got to really focus on the needs of people when you're when you're working which is what i talked to the beginning of this like i didn't get into like gail in year one two three four five was not doing that because i was just i didn't really care i have a good like giving ability and i like helping people out but it wasn't something that I really made the connection on until like over the last probably five years, three, three, four, five years. And now it's to the point where, and part of it is I have the confidence too of knowing what I'm doing. Um, and I have a better understanding of things that I can, I can make those decisions and help people out. So yeah, real estate's funny like that, but I think you have to, like whatever you do, you have to really focus on good intent and trying to help people out. You know what I mean? Like not, you don't, the last thing you want to do is try to one up somebody or gain something from somebody. Like I would much rather give more than I take more from somebody. Right. Kind of like owing people money. Like I don't want to owe anybody money. Like mm-hmm. I don't care if you owe me money. I just don't want to owe anybody money. Right. But it is kind of annoying when someone owes you money and they don't pay you. True. Yeah. I mean it. But then it's kind of it's kind of like one of those situ. I'm also one of those people. Like if something bothers you. How do you react to some how do you react to something negative? Like if something if something bad happens to you, do you do you dwell on it for a long time? Do you get do you fight back? Do you like you know I'm trying to think of situations, but if somebody say some somebody did something nasty to you, like not nasty nasty, but like mean to you or something, and it made you upset, like how would you handle that? Is it say it's say it's somebody that's a friend, acquaintance, um, situational or something like that? Like, how do you react to kind of stuff like that? Are you someone that will fight back? Or are you someone that gets, you know, just gets pissed and talks behind their back? Or are you someone that confronts them right up? Or you just forget about it? Or like, how do you react to that? Uh, I guess if it, I don't love like confronting people, but Mm -hmm. I guess if it was something that like really bothered me, I would. Mm -hmm. But I guess most of the time I would 
like be upset for a little while and then eventually I'd get over it because like there's no point in staying mad about it. Do you do you dwell on stuff a lot? Um, sometimes. Not I try not to though. Yeah. That's something that I focus on too, like of a negative. I try to I try to see the positive in it, the optimist mm-hmm. optimistic part of it, or I just completely discount it, meaning like if for some reason somebody does something or something I don't like and it to me it just is it either adds a negative layer to my life or a negative thought to my life or takes time up that's negative then I just will cut it loose like so it's kind of either a situation um could be a client could be you try not to but I've done it with friends like if it's just if they're not someone that adds like value to my life or something that I enjoy that person or thing or event or whatever in my life like then I just cut it loose because I think there's too much to there's too much in life to dwell on um things that add like anxiety or animosity or mm-hmm. or you know just overall just you don't feel good about it so I think you're better off just cutting it loose if you can obviously there's certain things you know friends and families more difficult to do um but there's things that you know you always have for the most part, you have control over your life, whether it's, you know, you know, even if it's um, something minor or if it's something, it could be something um, fairly drastic. Like, obviously, you know, there's people around the world that don't have a lot of freedom in certain things, like mm-hmm. in different countries and stuff, but they still have to have some, find the optimism and stuff. Like, we're very lucky where we live um, that we have a lot of freedoms, but like if something doesn't go your Say you get a job and you hate it. Well, you can stop that job and go somewhere else. Now, then you add on the layer of, well, if I stop that job, then I can't pay my bills. Okay, well, then what do you do? You work in that job and then you hustle and grind on the other hours that you're not working to get out of that job. You know, whether that's build up a second job or, you know, so there's always like, there's always a way out of stuff. You just got to find it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it'll take more time than you want. Maybe like, I want to do it now. Well, maybe it'll take you two, three years from now to do it. But if you really... If the if the why or the want's big enough, you can make it happen. So, and again, that was like me in real estate. Like when I was probably year three, four, five, when my expenses started to creep up and my income wasn't going up as fast as I probably needed it to, there's like some stressful times in real estate. And anybody that's done real estate long enough, especially if you are, you know, you don't really have a spouse that's making, you know, enough to support both people, it gets really, um, you know, it gets kind of chaotic and it, or not chaotic, but it gets like nerve wracking and stuff like that. And then that's kind of the, that's kind of the idea is you want to try to fight through it. So now I'm in a better position than I was, you know, back five, six, seven, eight years ago, but that's always a grind for, especially kids in their twenties. Like the twenties, I think are your hardest probably decade of your life. It's a lot of fun, but it's, it's hard because you're trying to establish yourself and you're kind of getting off of like the support of mom and dad and you're getting into like the real world and you're getting jobs and your income or your expenses pile up and, and you're trying to figure out what you want to do in life. And usually you don't have, to, you know, your debts paid down as much because of student loans or, you know, about a house or a car or whatever. So, um, yeah, twenties are difficult. Like I, I just hit 30, but I'm starting now to feel the point where I'm kind of like a semi, um, comfortable, a comfortable though. Like, stable adult kind of deal oh great you know what that means so you only have like nine years eight years look at that you already chopped one year off you're good still eight years of being like what what am i doing with my well that's that's me jordy that's not you you could have this all figured out in like two years from now you'll be an antique wizard probably not 
Okay. Well, you could have a you could have an MBA. You meet somebody at Albany or New Paltz. Next thing you know, you like walk right into a job in like Boston right off the bat. That would be cool. And it's like in the wedding industry, and you get to be the head planner of a wedding thing. That would be cool. There, there you go. Set your sights high, right? Yeah. Um, so, Jordy, the big, the big question: um, What uh, Netflix shows, series did you watch over over COVID? Because I know you watched them. Because there's no way you just painted and stained. No, I did watch Netflix. Okay. Um. So, what did I watch? I watched Outer Banks, which I love it. Anyone should go watch that. Outer Banks. Yeah. Is that on what? It's on Netflix. Okay. Um, what else did I watch? Oh, I started Blue Bloods. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's like a cop show. Is it on what channel? It's still on TV on CBS, I think, but there's nine seasons on Hulu. It's kind of like Law & Order, but there's like more family unity and it's not as intense. Because like sometimes if I watch Law & Order and then I can't sleep and I'm like, oh my god, someone's going to break in and steal me. Law & Order is intense. It is. I used to watch um, CSI back in the day. I always thought that was kind of a cool show. Criminal Minds is kind of, that's another weird one. Yeah. Like that's like kind of like psychological thriller stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Blue Bloods, Outer Banks, what else? Um, of course, then I was watching Outer Banks, and I was like, huh, I wonder how much school you have to go to to be a coroner. Cause I was like, so Outer Banks is about a coroner? No, no, but Blue Bloods, there's like a coroner, like on a coroner. Elected show. position? Yeah. Um, they just, they just uh, last election, they appointed a new coroner. We had, we had the same coroner since I was a kid. Really? Yep. We literally, like, I think in my lifetime, there's been like two Clinton County coroners. Um, the guy um, did for a lot of years. Well, yeah, so I didn't realize that, like, to be a coroner, you only need, like, a four-year degree. But then, like, to perform an autopsy, like, then you need a medical degree. Do they perform autopsies? A coroner? I don't think they do. No, a coroner doesn't. They, they would just, just pronounce you dead, right? Yeah, and they would, like, tell you what they... No, yeah, I think they just pronounce you dead, and then if the family wants an autopsy and find out the actual cause of death, then you have to give it to a medical examiner. That's that's a heavy. Imagine that being your job, like you roll up on like car accidents and homicides and everything else, and like I don't know, just not my. I feel like it'd be hard to like turn it off and just like go and yeah. live a normal life. Yeah, that like that's why like law enforcement or like being a CEO or something like that. I just wouldn't want that because I just I just don't like like I don't know if I could be. A, I think being like a cop or a firefighter or something like that is a good profession because you're helping people out. But I mm-hmm. also think it's something that like being in a fire and you like, you know, there's some stuff you see that's just crazy. Like I have a couple friends that are in EMTs, like the same thing. Or, um, uh, well, one of the very early people on the podcast, I remember Ryan uh, going up telling me that he used to clean like people that had died that he'd have to go clean up. Like, the body like if it site. was a car accident? Like, not necessarily a car accident, but, like, if somebody died in the house or if somebody was, like, murdered or something, uh, and you'd have to, like, go in and clean up the scene because, again, it's a house. Like, someone's got to clean that, you know, and that was something that he did. And I was like, that's a little intense for me, but that's, you know, you got to think that that's somebody's job. That's insane. Because you think, well, I mean, it's not like just, like, the murder scene just it miraculously goes disappear. away. Like, they take the body away and it gets clean again. Like, somebody has to go in and, like, clean up blood and everything else. So, um... 
that yeah i don't have the stomach for that i don't really have the stomach for medical stuff i'm not really medical i don't i don't think i've ever watched a medical show no Grey's anatomy is great are you caught up on that because it's like 50 seasons yeah i am Grey's anatomy came out when i was like i think like what was it early 2000s mm-hmm. i might have been junior high when that came out i might have been in junior high when that came out and they're still making series which blows my mind isn't that crazy yeah because i remember as like a kid i was like everybody used to watch it and um i think i've watched one episode ever in my life i've never watched that friends i've never seen an episode i've never seen i know everybody likes friends um i i haven't watched ozark everybody says ozark's like a top like five tv show of all time um i've never seen that gina watched it loved it everybody i've heard has watched it loves it um i watched breaking bad what not, not recently this is a couple years ago and i love breaking bad and some people said it was better than Breaking Bad. I don't know. I would say it's very hard to beat Breaking Bad. Did you watch Breaking Bad? No, I couldn't really get into it. So Breaking Bad is one you have to get to like season probably three. And it gets starts getting better. Season two. That's one and two is like, uh. But well, there's only a few season, a few episodes in season one. And season two oh. is boring. Season three starts to ramp up. Season four, you're like start getting invested in the show. And season five is like strap in like... Like, you're just ready to take <laughs> off. That last season's pretty intense. That was good. We watched, um, this is my, I haven't told him, like, really, we haven't been on the airwaves. So this, my quarantine started in March. I watched um, Newsroom, which was on Apple TV, and it had Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston, and Reese Witherspoon. Oh, yeah. And- I wanted to watch that, but I, like, couldn't because, like, it's Apple TV and we don't have that. Yeah, so so that one is basically, it's not. It's a fictional TV show. I would say it's very realistic to like the Today Show, Matt Lauer, like that whole scenario. And it was one where Gina's like, we should watch this. And I'm like, well, I mean, it had some, you know, obviously big names in it and had uh, obviously Michael Scott in it. So, um, but you started watching it and it's actually a really good series. And so we watched that. That is the only series I watched. I did watch the Bulls documentary, which was phenomenal. And I actually really look forward to that. What's crazy, though, is from May 20th to, like, the day I came back, that two months seemed – the weeks flew by. But when you look at it as a whole, you're like, oh, my God. It was th- – like, it seemed like that dragged on forever, which was the craziest thing. I don't know. I just I, I had a hard time because I wasn't talking to people like mm-hmm. as much. So it was just tough to sit around. All, it was great. Cause I spent a ton of time with the family, but it was like, right. like we would just like four o'clock, five o'clock. Be like, okay, let's just go for a ride, and like we just drive around. We get a car wash. We go like just drive for like an hour just around. We would loop down here. We'd walk, you know, drive up and around all over the place. And it was just to like get out of the house and see stuff. And so that was weird, but. Um, those were like I watched. We watched a couple movies early on. I watched Creed Two, which is the boxing movie, the Rocky series. Oh. And then, like three weeks ago, we watched the Elton John movie. A Rocket Man. Yeah. Did you see that? No. Was it? Good? I love Elton John's music. Like great. I thought that movie was terrible. Oh. You can watch it. I mean, I, I won awards. I just I didn't like the. I think because I was comparing it to Bohemian Rhapsody with yeah. Queen, and that movie was so good that this movie was such a letdown. Um, I didn't like it. I thought it was terrible. But um, and I hate 
again, don't watch it. I'm not saying don't watch it. I just said I, just saying I hated that movie. It's probably even one of my least favorite, like, genres of movies. There's a few movies that are. That movie was terrible. I watched it. Any Nicolas Cage movie is in the bottom. Um, I remember watching Barbershop, the first Barbershop. I stopped it halfway through. It was just boring. Like, there's certain movies that I remember that were just bad that I hated. And I was like, I, um, me and Gina both went, this was years ago, the Imitation Game, Imagination Game, Imitation Game. It was something about the German army or something like that. It was, it was up for Oscars. We both fell asleep midway through the movie. Woke up during the captions and like it was the worst movie ever. It was so boring. And I had an okay cast and it was again up for Oscars and we fell asleep. Like this is it was awful. So there's some movies like that that I, actually the last movie I saw in theaters was Bohemian Rhapsody, like two years ago. Really? Mm-hmm. I, we don't get out to watch movies anymore. Like we actually had to make it. No, actually I lied. We went and saw Parasite. The movie that won the Golden or uh, the Oscars for Best Picture it was like the Korean movie. That was a f- weird movie. Did you ever see that? No. It was basically this f- poor family in Korea that they ended up. There was a son and a daughter and parents, family of four. And they lived in like the basement of like this like crappy apartment, and like it flooded because the water would rush in. It was just really nasty. So they ended up. One of his friends was tutoring this girl, and her family was very wealthy. So he couldn't go tutor her. So he told this boy, "Why don't you just fill in for me and be the tutor?" And he had no experience and he had no clue what he was doing. So he rolls in, and the parents of this wealthy family were kind of gullible, you know, like they're. So he came off as like this really good teacher. So what happened is he gets into this, starts becoming a tutor to this girl's daughter. And then they kind of start having like a a little romance affair kind of thing. But then they, so then the little son needs an art teacher. So he basically says, I know the perfect art teacher. And his sister comes in. They don't know they're related. And it's like, they're kind of like con artists, like conjure way into being this art teacher. They have no clue what they're doing. They're just faking it. But the parents are like, oh my God. It's, and they're just like, they're talking very confidently. They know what they're doing. Long story short, the mom ends up coming in as the maid. The dad comes in as the father's driver. And it's it, parasite meaning like, you know, like parasites like attack you from the, like they kind of attack from like the outside in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I think the premise behind it. They were like attacking this family from the outside. And it was kind of like a, a wealth poor wealthy divide kind of movie and mm-hmm. um very strange ending very strange it was one of those movies that would win the oscars because it was so weird that <laughs> like the people that have way more artistic brains than me would enjoy it i didn't though yeah i, feel it, like- it, when I just say i did i liked it but it was just very weird yeah i feel like movies that win oscars are weird i'm always surprised because i used to be a big movie guy before kids when i could actually go because i used to try to go see a lot of the movies like the year I went to see Avatar, Avatar was amazing. Like the highest movie grossing film, whatever. And it didn't win the Oscars. And the Hurt Locker won, which was a was like a, basically a demolition bomb squad kind of thing for the Iraqi army. No, watch the movie. It was a good movie. Like liked it. I don't think it had the wow factor or like the, wow, this movie stands out. To me, it was like every other war movie. 
and it wasn't good as good as Saving Private Ryan, and it wasn't like it was a decent war movie, but it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I thought was great. Where Avatar was great, but it didn't win. The other one won. So there's and then there was one a few years ago. Moonlight, was it Moonlight? I watched that one, and that one I didn't like. And then there was one last year that didn't win. Like the, I watched The Green Book, which was a phenomenal movie. I don't know. That might have won. I don't know. But it's always weird. Like the ones that win, it's funny how, how they get picked because it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, like a, it's like going at – it's like every score with judges is subjective because it's what that person is judging in their mind based mm-hmm. off of whatever their scale is. And it's not very – it's not like – track at the olympics where you run and who was the fastest it's like gymnastics well i thought that was this score Mm -hmm. it's totally subjective because there's no time involved there's no amount of reps or amount of it's weight or whatever it's just strictly did we think it's better than that person right which is tough because i don't i don't know if i would like that type of sport from a judging standpoint it just seems like there's too much in the judges' hands where I think it's better. You can have refs and stuff, but I think I like actually having – is it subjective? What's the opposite? Objective? Like points, like a point system. Yeah, like, like, like numeric. Like a numeric, like did it happen or not? Mm-hmm. Like did they score more points than you? Like that to me is an easier way to judge like who won versus – like I love MMA, but if it goes to a judge's decision or boxing, then it's like, well, what did – three people think right and then they pick and it's, it's like, like a lot more you almost area. wish there was like 50 judges and then you could really have a better like system because mm-hmm. three it's kind of i don't think this i don't think the the subject number is that high good enough so i don't know that's my thoughts on movies and netflix so jordy what else was your fire that you're gonna bring hmm. did you have any fire or are you just saying that just to pump me up i don't know was that all was that all talk jordy I guess. I don't... Let's see. I mean, it's fine. I'm not going to... I just... I didn't want to monopolize... I usually monopolize the conversations, as you know, so I wanted you're, to be fair to you. You do talk a lot. You do. Well, that's... That's just where we're at right now, Jordy. It's oh, life. Oh, you know what I heard on the radio the other day? This um, car company... You know how, like, car salesmen usually work on commission? Correct. So this company decided that instead of doing that, they were going to like pay all of their car salesmen a base salary so that nothing was on commission, which I thought was really interesting because when you were talking about how like some salesmen are just in it for the money, mm-hmm. I feel like car salesmen, whether that's true or not, they usually get that reputation. True. Um, I think like... They always say, like, use car salesmen because they're not honest. They just want to make a sale. Mm-hmm. And I, I've definitely seen some salespeople where I'm like, I wouldn't trust that person. Right. I've been in – there's been times where, you know, whether it's a finance guy or whether it's, like, uh, someone selling you a product or something, it's like they just talk to you like, you got to buy this. And they just, like, make you feel like crap if you don't buy it. And, like, I hate pressure salespeople. Because oh, yeah. cause the people that, will, like, you just buy it to shut them up. And it's like, yeah. I don't like that. I don't want to ever make anybody feel pressured. So it's, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm never going to pressure you to buy anything. Like, if you want to look at 20 homes, look at 20 homes. Like, you'll, you'll eventually just buy one, you know? So it's like, I'll just wait till you decide you want one. Usually it doesn't take 20 homes. So, you know, 
That's where I'm usually at. I don't. I, so the so they're not paying commission on the car sales. They just it's like a salary. They just get yeah. See the the only thing I don't like. So a salary position is good if you're either you want stability, like you want a budget and you know what's mm-hmm. coming in, um, or you just don't like the yeah. It's more stability and eliminates the uncertainty. Right. The good thing about real estate or commission based is. If you don't sell anything and you're not motivated and don't act, you you'll just I mean, financially you'll just be squeezed out. Like it won't work. That's why there's such a big turnover in real realtors that every year you get a few new names in, and then the mm-hmm. next year they're out, and another group comes in because everybody wants to come in and try real estate. And really, it's the ones that have the longevity over years and years and years. But okay, they they've they've proven themselves and are sticking with it. Um, the benefit of like obviously real estate is that if you put the time in and really focus on getting good and 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 perfecting your you know perfecting your skill set and um that i think like the payoff in the long run is better but it takes time like it's not i think people think they're gonna get in like you're gonna get in and make no money like at all right and then you're gonna get to the point where you're gonna have a competitive salary to a lot of other places around here and then you're going to get to the point where if you're really good, you can make a very, very good living because there's no ceiling on real estate. Right. But it takes time and you got to have a certain personality and energy level and, and commitment and passion to be able to get to that upper level. And there's some agents that definitely hit that and that's what people strive for. And there's people that, again, revolving door or never grow. I mean, there's – yeah, I mean, real estate's tough because you, like, you, you can see how much people sell and it's like, I don't – you know. It sometimes makes you wonder why people are still in real estate because like, I don't know how to make a living selling, mm-hmm. you know, a couple homes a year. Um, or again, it, it could be part time too. Like if they're part time agents, then it's just extra money for them on the side. Um, there's really only a few handful of agents on our board that are just full time. That's their main goal, and or they're the main like source of income for their family. Because there's people I know that like their spouse makes. A, a good living or is retired or they're retired and they're on their second career. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's different ways like real estate's kind of for different people, but people that go on and make, go in and make a full-time job of it. Not many on our board, you know, you're probably talking a couple dozen if that, mm-hmm. so it's a small number, but I don't know how it, I don't, I wouldn't be motivated as much if I had a salary. Yeah. Because Although I'm not motivated by money, I still like being compensated for my time mm-hmm. that I put in. Because I don't, I don't really put in more time to make more money. I put more time in because I'm, I'm number driven in the sense of like I want to do more sales. Like, which if I can do more sales, it means I help more people. Like, it's pretty easy to like. As I said, I like numbers. I can track it. Like the dollar amount, price per home I get, or if I get a a really big expensive listing on the lake or if I get a not so expensive listing somewhere in the middle of Clinton County, I really don't look at either one being better or worse. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a person I can help out. And, and I think too many people focus on one or the other um, or glamorize like a listing on the lake. Okay, that's great. It's, it's cool, but you're still, they have the same needs as somebody that has their starter home they're selling for $100,000. Like it's the right. same thing. You're, you're helping both of them out. Um, and again, the good thing about real estate is you can have a relationship with the person that's selling their starter home. 20 years from now, they will be buying a larger home. And that naturally happens also in real estate, which is why longevity 
and relationships in real estate count and matter, you know, just over time. But you build that up. You don't like day one, if you come in expecting people are going to want to use you. That's why I always tell new agents here. I said, great, you're in real estate. Why should people choose to work with you over 150 other people in the business? Mm-hmm. You know, and that includes myself or anybody else. Like, why would someone use you over us? And the answer is like, uh, they probably shouldn't. <laughs> I want them right. to, but they probably shouldn't. And that's something I realized early on was that nobody was going to use me because I hadn't proven myself and I had no track record and I wasn't very good. And then over time, you flip the flip the the the, the script and and earn that trust from people or earn that um, demand from people, and that's that's great, but it takes time. And so like that's kind of like for you when you say you have eight years. It might not be eight years; could be less, could be more. You never know. But you know, it depends on how much effort you're going to put into it. Where if, because some people just kind of coast through life and then it's like, well, then you're always just going to kind of be on this very slow, gradual climb, which is going to seem very insignificant for many years is because you're not really taking initiative to accelerate that, that growth pattern. Um, I guess it just depends on people. Things happen though. Like you'll, I, th- I think the biggest thing at the end of the day is just meet a lot of people and be very nice to people and then just like be positive and have like, just work hard. You know, it's like, so just... It's like meet a lot of people and just be good to those people and then you'll be fine. That's, I think like something easy that you can pinpoint which could translate to any any profession. Yeah, I'll have to work on that. I mean, I think... Well, you're I, not nice I, to people? I think I am pretty nice. Unless someone pisses me off, then not so much. And then you then you just... You, you get mad at them and, and don't hold back. Like you just said that sometimes you'll just... You'll, you'll uh, hold the grudge for a while and then you'll just let it go. Yeah. Do you think do you think girls hold grudges more than guys? Yeah. I do too. I think guys like they get over things pretty quick. They're like, "Oh, whatever." Yeah, or don't care. But girls are like they're they're petty, so. Yeah. Yeah, I find that I think girls can hold grudges longer, which good or bad. I mean, I have grudges against a couple people, but it's a very 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 like uh, under one hand list kind of thing. So, yeah, usually doesn't happen. I'm usually pretty quick to forgive and I don't I cuz I just don't like I don't like conflict. I don't like yeah. people not liking each other. I just feel it's awkward for so many reasons. And mm-hmm. that, that's that's the one thing that always frustrates me when people let that stand in the way of a lot of other stuff. But right. I don't know. I guess that's just my... Yeah, I don't know. I don't like drama either. Like when people try to create drama. Do you think that people try to create problems when there's no problems because they just are bored and want to have problems? Yeah. I've thought about that a lot. That I think that happens. I think people bring problems on themselves when things are too good because they just feel they just they, like I think human nature you just need like that. It's like a it's like almost like a drug. Like you need like a little bit of like like whether it's drama or just like conflict or mm-hmm. animosity in your life or just, I don't know just makes people interested in something. I don't care. Like there's times I'll hear stuff and people will ask me and I'm like I I don't care. Like it doesn't affect my life. Like if it doesn't affect selfishly if it doesn't affect my life i just don't care about it makes Meaning, sense like I, I, just, I don't i don't want it to if something I've, i deem not important to my life or it's going to affect my life negatively and i don't have to have it in my life then i'll just cut it out you know so like mm-hmm. like I, i've done that like over the last um semi like i would say like the last month or so like between like the stuff you hear about people going back and forth about COVID and then back and forth about, 
you know, Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. all these people just like dividing the country. I just got to the point where I'm like, I just don't want to see news. I don't want to see social media, like, yeah. because everything's attacking people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I just like, so that stuff, like to me, it was kind of like, can you cut it out? Like you can just cut out all the noise of just like people just like screaming and yelling at each other, which I don't think is constructive where it's like, if you can have, so like things that like, I just like positive stuff just for the most part I know there's negative stuff but like like John Krasinski's Some Good News I watched all those episodes they're phenomenal because he was giving really? good news about like the COVID and staying at home and all how people are making the best of it and helping each other out and then you turn on the news and like I always think the nightly news like Lester Holt gets up and does or any of these guys but like mm-hmm. say it's NBC like Lester Holt gets up and does the nightly news mm-hmm. it's a 30 minute episode, uh, thing and 25 to 27 minutes of it is pure negative garbage the whole time mm-hmm. from start to finish it is negative this person attacked this this person said that this person's opinion on that this person died this person shot somebody this i'm like this person stole something and then the very end they'll do this little like heartwarming like oh, yeah. thing and i'm like why didn't you do all of that because half the stuff isn't really news it's just like it's like oh by the way this happened but there's mm-hmm. so much the they, they put 95 percent on bad news and five percent on good news when in the world, 95% of the stuff is good and right. 5% is bad. So it's like, why is it blown out of proportion? So I always find it, that part always makes me mad because I'm like, it's not even really news. It's like, it's literally like we're finding the worst parts of society every single day and we're going to broadcast it mm-hmm. so you have an opinion and you get upset and you get angry and you get mad at so-and-so. So they're just creating like Problems. animosity between people. Yeah. And I'm like, if... if and social media amplifies that even more because now anybody can post whatever they want because mm-hmm. it's not nobody's like the gatekeeper to your opinion being broadcasted. So that that stuff's been kind of crazy. So I don't know. That that was that's like stuff I try to cut out of my life, like just negative stuff. Or people like on social media, if all of a sudden it's the point where I'm like, okay, this like they're just complaining about stuff or they're just negative or rude or whatever, then I'll cut them out. Yeah, like I posted something on Facebook, um, and someone commented and was like. Well, I, like I, I disagree and blah 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 and like basically attacking me and I responded and I said, this post was not supposed to start arguing and then I went into my opinion at the end I said but thanks for commenting. Yeah, it's at the end of the day, at the end of the day like I don't think that um, yeah I don't think any of that's beneficial and that's part of the reason I don't, I don't post a lot. I never post about politics. I never mm-hmm. post about like just my thing is like you're just going you're just asking for people to have emotional opinions and everything yeah. else. And like again, I'm one of those people like I focus on what I can control and I don't like I will never attack anybody on any social platform if I disagree. I just will just right. I will scroll through it or not follow you or whatever or right. unfollow Same. you. Like just to me like basic stuff, like you have control. Like if you don't someone's doing something you don't like or saying something you don't like, then just unfollow them. Like, mm-hmm. It's amazing. You can hit a button and they're gone, you know, or deactivate your account. Like you can right. do that too. Like, or you can block them. Yeah. And it, it's like, just, there's ways around it. It's just weird. I just, <clears throat> I thought about that a lot recently. Like I, I always, I've, I've contemplated, it's tough in my, like I have a, a business page and I have a f- uh, personal like Instagram page. The business page I like because it kind of keeps, for me, it keeps tabs on like, a lot of my friends and people that I like so like the social aspect I do like mm-hmm. but there's times where I just want to unfollow almost everybody but like a handful of like people 
where like I, I've contemplated on my personal page like getting under 50 people like or even less like just getting really shrinking down the people that I actually follow on those accounts because then I really think I I don't need to see a bunch of stuff and then when I always get to the point I'm like well I don't see a lot from this person but I do like when they post because I like them or their family or the kids so then I'll leave them on there and then you get a few posts here and there so there's always stuff like that or sometimes I follow like musicians because they like announce tour dates and stuff mm-hmm. so i'll like follow them so it's always it's easier said than done just to like unfollow a bunch of people because there's reasons why i follow certain people on platforms mm-hmm. so it's tough like even like youtube like can i just shrink that down to like five accounts i'm like well no because there's really like 10 or 12 that i enjoy seeing videos from so it's tough would you unfollow me or I, mean, I would probably keep you in the 50 dirty is that good yeah well yeah okay I would keep you in the 50. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take you out of that. Good. I think we would have words if you were like, no. I'm oh, so you, you would actually talk to me. You would, you would bring that up. Yeah. You won't let that just fester and just nope. fizz over. That'd be, that'd, be a, that'd be a talking point? Yeah. Okay. I'd probably be like, why? Like, what did I ever do to you? No, I'd keep you on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take you off kind of hesitated well i was thinking like is it, what happens if i got to the point where it was like you or someone else but i'd i'd, I'd be loyal to you jordy i'd keep you on thanks i'd keep you on yeah i want to do that maybe i'll unfollow you from one of my accounts and keep you on the other okay that's that's fair that's fair yeah. I, I, I didn't think you wanted to lose followers so no I, I would keep you on there jordy i want to pull you off you gotta try to keep your followers above your following my f- it actually would be my followers would be higher on all my accounts, but my personal account I took a bunch of people off that followed me. You removed them as followers. Yeah, I probably took three hundred people off my followers, maybe more. They're still on it, but it's my personal one, so I mostly just post like my kids and my wife. Like that's so I've kind of limited, and that's when I kind of go through and I'm like, should I just limit the amount of people that actually follow me on that one? So maybe I get that one lower. Like, that'd be one I could probably get low, below 50 also. Like, I, I don't... My personal one is more, like, things I really want more for, like, entertainment purposes. Mm-hmm. And my business one is one that I follow to keep... Like, so one is kind of more, like, fun stuff. The work stuff's fun, too, but, like, like, like I'm not going to follow musicians on my personal page. I'll follow them on that. Or I'll follow, like, you know, if there's, like, an athlete or like a famous person I want to follow, I'll probably follow them in my personal one, mm-hmm. not my public one. Right. And in my public one, I usually follow like local businesses and stuff that I just more so that I know what's going on, like as a news source versus following them for whatever. Like I just follow them more for like to, know, to be in the know of like what's going on or, you know, different restaurants like following or different companies like following. Just it's kind of like my source of news. Yeah. I feel like the only time you ever post on your personal account is like a birthday or an birthday anniversary. anniversary yeah i post some of the kids or unless i get like a really good photo of one of the kids and i'll post it but i don't take gina takes more photos than i do of the kids she does take a lot of pictures yeah so and she'll send me some of them so then maybe i'll post some of them but um usually anniversaries birthdays that's kind of the only things i post like i think i posted for mother's day oh yeah i think i have to check you i think did. i did i did mm-hmm. so say i usually do usually do mother's day usually do anniversary usually do birthday Regina, and then my kids, which is added an extra two days, so two more <laughs> posts of the year. And then if there's anything special that they do, I'll post. Or if there's like a good family photo, I'll post it. 
So every once in a while, like summer, we get a lot more because we spend time. Like my sister's good at taking photos. So we'll get like more family photos and then I'll post like all of us together in a photo. That's nice. Because we don't get many photos of the four of us in a picture. Because we need at least one person there oh, to take yeah. a photo. So um, we're not in the selfie mode because both we both have to hold a kid. True. So it's tough to get all, everybody to smile and get the camera up to take a selfie mode. It, it, actually, if, any, if you can get a selfie of your family with two young kids and everybody's looking at the camera and smiling, that's, that, that's like a mirage. It doesn't Superhero. Happen. It's great. I mean, that's the one that would make the gram. I would do, that, that's what you get doing it for the gram, right, Jordy? Yep. Um, all right, Jordy, you want to end there? Because what time is it? Oh, we talked oh, almost spot on to where we wanted to stop. If I didn't yeah. take an hour in the beginning to figure out how to get the, the thing to record, we would have been fine. That's pretty good. And we're almost to minute 124. 24 would be my favorite number. So, Jordy, again, thank you for coming back, kicking it off. Um, we're we're going to try to have more people on. Um, I think next week we got a couple repeat guests, which is fine. We're getting back into the swing of things. And then I have a couple new guests coming on. And then I, I'm kind of making it a vow this year because this is year two of the podcast. Basically, we're halfway through the year. But we kind of... To be fair, we started out a couple months into the podcast, which was just over a year, and then COVID hit, so we've been out for about three yeah. months. So to be fair, we had a little bit of a hiatus there, but I'm going to start cold calling people or whatever, just like randomly reaching out and being like, do you want to come on the podcast? You should just get a, get a phone book. And just get random people off the street? Yeah. Um, that'd be kind of cool if you just like ask them their life story. It's like a Joe Dirt moment when he just starts talking, and next thing you know, he's like all over the airwaves. You're, you ever that? seen Joe Dirt? No. Oh, God. Watch Joe Dirt. It's a great movie. Even better haircut. Um, he's like a redneck like janitor that they interview for a TV show. David Spade plays him. Oh. Phenomenal. Like, I bet it's a funny movie then. Hilarious. It's great. A lot of just good old one liners. It's like a it's like a nineties I'd say nineteen late nineties, early two thousands movie that was just stupid. Kind of one that you'd probably see pop up on like TBS or something. I don't know. Like one of those channels. Comedy kind of thing. So watch that. That'd be good. Uh, but no, I'm going to start reaching out just to random people that, I mean, people that I know or want to know or want to talk to that I haven't yet or have talked to and just get them on. Instead of having like my friends come on all the time, it'll be sprinkled. So I have a mixture of like the Matt Craigs mixed in with like people that I've never had a conversation with before. And we'll have like a mixture of those. That's Seem fair, right? Yeah. Okay. No, I like that. So that's it. That's basically how we're going to roll. So we do have some cool people coming on later. Jordy, I appreciate it. We're trying to get our uh, our voice back to us because we um, – oh, I actually spelled it right too. There's just a lot – we're just getting back used to it. It's been like three months out and it just seems – it's new. But it feels good. It feels good to be back. I kind of figured out how I'm doing stuff again and our notes. And I had to check to see what episode this actually was, but episode 70, which is great. Mm-hmm. We're back. Jordy, this is her third episode back, so we're excited about that. And I know. I feel like I'm going to rival Meg for the most. How many does she have? I don't know. I feel like she's had three of her own. I don't know. I'd have to check because she's had a couple too where she'd like join in. Mm-hmm. Like she would like stop in in the middle of one or she would like, she did a couple with Emily too who I've had on a couple times. So. Oh yeah. So she's kind of had some hybrids. You're close. You'd be in the run. You're in the top like three or four most people. Yeah. Right? Matt's been on probably two or three times. So mm-hmm. you guys are up there. It'd almost be like SNL. I guess start giving away like was it the five the five hosts or whatever? They become part of this like club that's like the most hosts or whatever. If you get five, it's like a very prestigious SNL thing. Yes, I want an award. 
you're kind of like that. I'd have, I'd have to check. I'd have to go back through. I probably should have a running tally of who's been the, the guest the most. It, it's pro- yeah, you're, you're definitely in the, probably the top three or four. I think Meg is first, though. She, if you added everything together, she's probably first. Solo episodes, you might be tied. She hasn't done one in a long time, but she did a couple in the beginning. Matt's done a few. Um, Anna and Steph have only done two. But I think both of them are, have lined up to come back on at some point, probably in separate ones. So they'll probably be at, back up to three. But solo, by yourself, Jordy. And also, you had one of the longest podcasts ever. I did. That was my it wasn't, goal. I don't think it hit three hours, but you are pretty close. That was my goal. We haven't, we haven't done that yet. Longest one is still Scott Brightwell. That would be tough to beat. Because I don't think I can talk that long. How long was that one? I think it was three hours and 40 minutes. And we wow. did it late at night, and we didn't realize what time it was until we both checked the clock. And we're like, oh my God, it's that late. Because the clock, I didn't change the clock. It was like right before when the clocks had changed, and I mm-hmm. thought it was an hour back, and it was an hour forward, and we totally spaced. Yeah, it was bad. So, all right, we're going to end there. Uh, episode 70, Gail and Trombley Show. Check out the show notes. Jordy's new blog is out. New Instagram, out. Follow it. We'll probably share it on our, our link. I think I shared it. No, didn't I share it? I'll share it for you. Oh, thank you. Okay, there you go. And uh, I think that's it. Good job, Jordy. We're back. Thanks. Better than ever, right? Always. Bring in the fire. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.